Um, the first of our guests to come to the stage tonight and talk about Jim, uh, a man who played with him and went on to manage his country, uh, and a man who wrote a fascinating book about Jim's life and times. Please welcome to the stage Craig Brown and Tom Miller. Brown. Cheers, Bill. Gentlemen, how are we? Okay, thanks, Bill. Good. Craig, let, let me uh, I'd like to thank a number of people who all contributed to the book. It was a real privilege to be able to put it together, and there's a host of people here this evening, and it wouldn't have happened without your help, so thank you. Good. Well, let me, let me ask you first how, this, how, how it came about, the book. Well, we've got um, copies of the book. Uh, what tonight. time do they have to lock up? <laughs> I'm originally from Coatbridge, and uh, as, as you may know, Jim married a Coatbridge girl. I could have told girl. that from 50 paces, by the way. Well, there's not many <laughs> blue noses from Coatbridge, but they're certainly bucked the trend. And uh, I even gave up the boys' brigade to join the Cubs, because uh, Jim's girlfriend, Jean's parents, lived next door to the scout hall. And I would stand there almost every night looking for Jim to come round the corner, whichever fancy car he had at the time, and I would ask for his autograph. And invariably he'd go... No, you again, wee man. <laughs> so he, he was just a fascinating character. And when you see some of the grainy footage there, how he played the game, it, for me, I was just absolutely starstruck. And a uh, wonderful guy, wonderful footballer. And I don't think we've seen the like since. I don't think we have. Craig, you uh, were a Rangers player as a, as a young whippersnapper. No, I've got to correct you there. I was never a Rangers player. I was a Rangers signing. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> 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 So, you know, the people He's say to me, you were, you were a Rangers player. I, I was signed by Rangers. I was three years at Rangers and never got a game in the team. Right, okay. And one of the reasons, of course, was Jim Baxter because I was a left half. And the left half at the time when I signed two years before Jim Baxter was Billy Stevenson, a very good left half. And he got transferred to Liverpool because they signed Jim Baxter. Now, that made me third choice. And, uh, <laughs> so it was well down the pecking order. But I think... You know, I was very privileged when Tom said, would you write the foreword for the book? Because I became quite friendly with Jim because when he signed, it was July, the year uh, 1960. In July, well, I had signed in 58 for Rangers when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jim came in and, and I was in the treatment room as usual, getting the knee sorted. And uh, he was a very nervous, shy young lad from Fife who came in and the manager, Scott Simon, introduced me to him. He said, I was the only player there in the summer getting treatment. And therefore, when he started, when the season started, again, we were, we were pegged alphabetically. So it was Baird, Baxter, Brown, Caldo. Now, three legends of Rangers, then this wee guy, Brown, who's he? <laughs> but, you know, I was in among these guys, and uh, Jim knew me when he came. Therefore, I was friendly with him, although I was never in the same team as him. Later in life, when you, you become Scotland manager and you had some tremendous players come through your, your team in the middle of the park, what would you have given to have Jim Baxter in your 1998 World Cup squad, for instance? Yeah, well, even, at, even at, you know, if he had been 60, was, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think if he had been 60, he could still have played. You know, I think we were privileged at that time when I had the team. Yeah. You know, we had very good midfield provision. You know, we had McAllister, we had Collins, we had Paul Lambert, who had won the Champions League. You know, we had very, very good players there. But I mean, I'm not saying it because I'm in Kirkcaldy and talking to the Wraith Rovers fraternity here, but he was, you know, in my opinion, far better than any of these guys. I mean, he was, I think the, the phrase is world class. Mm -hmm. And no one disputes the fact that Jim Baxter was absolutely outstanding. Pound for pound, Man United just paid, what, 89 million for Paul Pogba, another number six. 
Well, well I, was at, I was at the game yesterday. There? I was down at Manchester yesterday, and uh, Sir Alex very kind to me. And so I was down watching the game yesterday, and I watched Pogba. You know, Manchester United were better than Chelsea, but I mean, Baxter was so much better on the evidence of what I saw yesterday mm. than uh, the very expensive Pogba. What, Tom, what's your first memory of, of seeing Jim Baxter in action? Going along to Ibrox and, and taking games in from around 1961, but you look back to that transfer fee, £17,500 was a, a record between Scottish clubs at that time. And Bill, it stood for nearly four years. Yeah. And Rangers broke it themselves with a, the signing of George McLean uh, from St Mirren for around £20,000. So he might have been shy in retiring when he originally came to Ibrox, but he embraced the demands of a, you know, living in Glasgow and being a Ranger. And uh, I think he knew that uh, he was the apple of the eye of Scott Simon at that time, who effectively, there was a wind of change going through Ibrox. They were looking to refresh the squad, probably at the expense of Craig Brown and a few others. At that time, you know, you had guys like um, Billy Stevenson, you mentioned, left for Liverpool. Uh, uh, Johnny Hubbard, another Rangers legend, moved to Bury. Uh, Andy Matthew, I think, came to Fife to play his football. So Scott Simon had seen change. Alex Scott was moved on within a year to Everton. Willie Henderson, at the tender age of 17, 18, was kicking on. And Scott Simon had a vision and it all centred around the qualities of Jim Baxter. He was the keystone of the side that he put together, and I don't think I've seen a better Ranger side in the 50 years of following him. You know, when you're talking about money and the transfer fee, the wage that Rangers players got, that was a uniform wage, everyone was paid the same. The whole first team got 20 pounds a week. Now, the second year I was there, that would be 61, season 61, two, or, yeah, season 61, they got a rise of two pounds a week. And they were going out buying Zephyr Zodiac cars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bobby Shearer, I travelled with Shearer, the Cal the Shearer and Calder from Hamilton. I live in Hamilton. I got a lift with Bobby Shearer. And Captain Bobby, Cutlass. Captain Don't Cutlass. call me Bobby. Call and me Bobby, Cutlass. And Bobby got this new car on the centre yeah. of the two. But now, if the first team's annual earnings were a 1,000 a year or just over it, you can see that 17,500 was... A fair transfer fee. And were you on this as well? <laughs> I was 12 pounds. I get 12 pounds. I was a, I was a millionaire. <laughs> I would have said pound for pound Craig Brown was the best paid player. Because <laughs> Jim Baxter's <laughs> paying 20, 20 pounds a week to get kicked up in the air and you get 12 pounds 50. For lying the treatment sit, table. Lying the treatment table. I was, I was crazy. You were always but, a smart man. But the thing about Baxter was, uh, unlike some of the older players, you know, mm. I, I watched them with the young players. Now, the young lads are here. When you're a young guy and you go to a club, you're very nervous. And you expect or you hope that some of the senior players will look after you. Now, some of them didn't. You know, Sammy Baird said to me, after three days training, and I thought, I'm doing my very best, Sammy called me over and says, come here, son. Did you win a competition to train for this team? <laughs> 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 now, Baxter was the very opposite. I remember, I mean, I'm not just saying it, but I remember when John Gregg came. That was a couple of years after Jim. And I remember Jim would welcome the young players. Johnny Hubbard, you mentioned, yeah. fantastic with the young players. Jim Baxter, fantastic with the young boys. And a great sense of humour. I could do a few stories here, although I wrote them in the start of your book. Absolutely. The, the, the I think one of the stories. things that was unprecedented too when Jim Baxter signed for Rangers, the manager, Scott Simon, announced it months before he actually put pen to paper and announced it on the eve of the Scottish Cup final when Rangers were about to go head-to-head -head with Kilmarnock. And he was so delighted having got his man after having chased him for the best part of a year that he was happy to announce it the night before a Scottish Cup final that Jim Baxter was going to be a Rangers player the following season. So there's no doubt in my mind, whatever Jim Baxter got up to, whether it was on the field or off the field, he could do no wrong in the eyes of Scott Simon. Because well, reasonably early in his career, broken leg. Yeah, tragedy. Um, which, and that, that's probably a pivotal moment 
in his career. I always remember that hearing, reading a quote from him. It was against Rapid Vienna, wasn't it? It was indeed, yep. yep. And, and the game was 90 minutes yeah, plus gone. And, and, he, and he's, he's run with the ball yep. and he's thought, nah, I'll just turn around, I'll, I'll beat them again because I've beaten them once, I'll beat them again. And the guy comes through and breaks his leg and his quote was just simply, I overdid it. Which, which, is, <laughs> yeah. which is great understatement from a man that's lying in a, on a treatment table with a broken leg. But he might have had a short career at the top, as you say there, Bill, but... What a career it was, yeah. I and mean, it was absolutely. But even then, to come stardust. back, we see the footage. We're going to see the footage soon from yep. from Wembley '67, when he's he's come back from the broken leg. He's playing at Sunderland. Um, people are maybe saying, oh, "No, it comes to that game, and it's absolutely world made class, from. made from that whole game." And he runs the game at his pace. Mm -hmm. He does what he wants to do, doesn't he? Yes. I mean, and you, it's very difficult now to get a player who has the confidence to do that. No, I don't think there is one. Certainly not in the UK. There isn't one with the Baxter capability now. But the thing that I remember most about him was his, his, his sense of humour. And it was never malicious. It was never nasty. It was really funny. And the boys used to watch on a Friday morning when the team went up. And there were no substitute players. So the young lads will appreciate this. It was only 11 and the 12th man. And if you knew you weren't going to be quoted, you didn't even need to look at the board. But if you were doubtful, Jim Baxter didn't need to look at the board. He knew. <laughs> he was in the Deal team. Down. But the kind of French players, they were all quite anxious after training. Am I playing? And the headline in the Daily Record that morning, it was Jim Baxter called it the Daily Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> the Daily Ranger said, Henderson to get contact lenses. Now, we Willie had poor eyesight, and he was getting contact lenses, and this was the headline. And it was a new thing, and they were big. Side of your eyeball, you know, <laughs> the big, big one. And uh, the outside left was Davy Wilson, but Davy was injured, and his replacement was a guy called Bobby Hume. And everyone knew in Scottish football that Bobby Hume was the first and maybe the only player to have contact lenses. So here's the outside right to get them, and the outside left <laughs> with them. So the team went up in the usual, the blue typewriting ink, and the, boy, the boys used to come in, and Jim Baxter used to give his pronouncement on the selection. So he looked at the team, and he, he, he shook his head, and he read the forward line, Henderson, McMillan, Miller, Brand, and Hume. Two blind wingers, he says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether Davy, this was the groundsman, I don't know whether Davy will line the part tomorrow or put curb stains along the side of it. <laughs> Brilliant. That was Baxter. That's right. Tom, I mean, as you say, lots of people helped you with the book. Yep. You must have heard a million anecdotes. What, what, what Half really of them couldn't make the book, incidentally, let well, me just say. Well, and Bud gave me a couple there, but Bud, yeah, I'm sworn to secrecy, Willie Johnson for what, What's your, your favourite tellable to a... Well, the probably the inspiration for the book, very briefly, I'll give you the abridged version. I was having supper with two late great Rangers, Colin Jackson and Alec Willoughby. In uh, Colin, Colin had got married again and we were having supper there and known Colin for many, many years. And Alec Willoughby was making up the six of us for supper. And Alec started talking about Stanley. Stanley. Everything was Stanley, not Slim Jim. And he told me the story about the wedding, which features in the book, with a great friend of, of Jim's, Buck McCarry, who played with St. Johnston. And he asked Jim to be his best man, to which Jim said, absolutely, delighted. Oh, but you can't get married in that date because I want to pick up the tab for the reception, the full shooting match, it's on me. And Buck McCarry said, that's wonderful, Jim. What a gesture that is. So this has been recited to me by Alec Willoughby. And the whole thing, I'm just sitting there soaking it all up. And it probably was part of the inspiration for the book to try and get this, you know, exaggerate and, and actually articulate the absolute character of Jim Baxter. Anyway, cut a long story short, Buck McCarry, then of St. Johnston, and formerly in the, the uh, army, 
with, with Jim Baxter, went back to his fiancée and their family and said, we need to change the date. Uh, Jim's going to cover the cost of the reception. So they changed the date and they have a wonderful wedding reception in the St Enoch's Hotel in Glasgow. And the whole reason for changing the date was it had to combine with a home game for Rangers so Jim could just sign the bill. And the bill went to Rangers and of course Rangers just paid it. <laughs> <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> no questions asked. But you have to say it's probably a wonderful wedding gift. I, was, I, I say that's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, if, uh, there's a quote that we'll see on the screen later on that given in a way that Pelly said, I wish Jim Baxter had been Brazilian. Um, you don't really get much higher praise than that, do you? No, I mean, you don't. Do you think in, in any of those great teams around that time, I mean, the, the great tragedy is guys like Jim never got to play in a World Cup for Scotland. Could he have played in any of these great teams at the time? Well, I'm quite sure he could, absolutely. Yeah. The, the other thing about him, I said he's got a sense of humour, but there's a humility. You know, he, he was gregarious and everybody's pal, but very humble. He didn't, you never heard him saying how well he played or boasting about his football ability. Now, I find that with the big stars in football, you know, the Kenny Douglases, Jim McCallagh, these guys, they're the most humble individuals. Now, Jim Baxter was a very humble guy. You know, he never said, did you see that pass or that goal or anything? He would boast about other things. <laughs> <laughs> But not about football, and you know, and I, I think that was, you know, quite a, a noticeable feature of him. He was very, very unassuming yeah. about his football ability. But his football ability, as I said, world class. That's a, a, a common phrase, maybe sometimes used loosely. But in Jim Baxter's case, it was thoroughly merited. Absolutely, and when you can do your talking with your feet the way he could, when why did he go talking about it? Absolutely, um, and I think anyone that played in the same side of him, be it at Rangers, Wraith Rovers, Scotland, and even at Sunderland and Notts Forest, when he chose to turn it on, there's nobody like him. He had a, a lovely, I'll give you another humorous one, that he came in, in the bath afterwards. I used to be a young boy, but I would go in and I was waiting in my lift home to Hamilton with Shearer and Caldo, so I'd go in and hear them in the bath, and uh, I heard them saying one time to Shearer, Bobby, there was 72,823 there, and Bobby says, wait a minute, Jim. The game's just finished. How do you know there was 72,000? He says, I was counting them waiting on a pass from you, you agreed. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and on that note, as a wonderful note, <laughs> ladies okay. and gentlemen, thoroughly enjoyed that. Cheers, Craig Brown. And All Tom the best of the for the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom.